illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Republican candidate for Congress in Oregon District 1, the Beach. How you doing, Beach? I'm doing great, Billy. You know, you're 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 not going to believe what I set up tonight. What'd you set up? Well, you know, my I have a I have a very impressive and unique bathroom, right? Uh, your master bathroom? My master bathroom. Yes. So, what would be appropriate to put in my master bathroom to add some ambiance? I've already got sound. Fog machine. Dude, you're amazing. Did you really? I have a a fog machine in my bathroom. (laughs) That's great. I'm thinking, what's not in that bathroom that you could have? Oh, it's a fog machine. machine. Totally. It's awesome. I tried it out before uh, before I got ready for the the podcast tonight. I'm like, let's see if this thing works. So is it like in the (laughs) ceiling or where is it? No, I've got it, uh, you know, because my my cabinets have space underneath them, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Because they sit as kind of like furniture on the on top of the the floor, um, I've got room under there, so I just kind of tucked it under there. I plugged it in, and it's got a remote control, and you can actually program it so it goes off in regular intervals to like just add fog. That's crazy. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Because uh, people's bathrooms need more fog machines. Now, see if you would have put it in your shower, that'd have been cool. You know, they say, and I didn't know this, but they actually have steam. Uh, machines that you can put in your shower and i didn't put it in i've got what do i got one two three four five shower heads in my shower uh-huh. but i didn't do the steam option i guess i should have done the steam option that would have been cool yeah 
Alrighty. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our insight, experiences, and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some fun along the way. So, I want to remind all our listeners, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or through the Google Play Music Store. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. I am at HeinrichTailgator. You can also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Beej. Billy. We got a little bit of a listener feedback today. The listener wrote to us. That is so fantastic. Yes. I love it when our listener li- writes to us. Yes. So listener Kurt, he Facebook messaged, messaged us after last week's show. Ooh, that's good. This is what Kurt had to say. He said, Bill, love the podcast as always. As someone who lived in West Lafayette, I listened to your Jackass of the Week award with some interest. Uh, Side note, so last week we gave the Jackass of the Week award to the athletic director there of Purdue, which is in West Lafayette. Okay. Uh, Kurt continues, I don't disagree with you that his comments were a little backhanded, but there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. On another side note, I will say his comments weren't just a little backhanded, they were completely backhanded. Okay, (laughs) Kurt continues. Purdue just hired Mike Babinski, the athletic director, in August. He made it pretty clear that his goal was to, quote, modernize Purdue, which previous AD Morgan Burke had not done. For instance, last week, Babinski announced Purdue was finally going to install permanent lights on its football field. Welcome to the 20th century, Purdue. (laughs) Another side note here. That's crazy because even the hippies in Berkeley added uh, lights uh, permanent lights to their field here in probably the last 10 years. Cause I can, they, re- they, they put lights on Wrigley field. That's true. They did put lights on Wrigley field too. So, but yeah, cause for the longest time, um, Cal didn't have permanent lights. Cause I remember when the beeves played there in 2000, there wasn't any lights on the field. The games all had to start early later in the season so they could <laughs> that, actually put that's it in. an awesome excuse not to have late games. I'm and, sorry. We don't have lights on the field. Well, and it wasn't the fact that they didn't have enough, uh, lights for tv because i can remember like in the late 90s early 2000s oregon state had to bring in extra lights to Mm -hmm. light up the field more for tv this was berkeley didn't have any lights so it sounds like purdue is wasn't that memorial like the memorial war stadium and it was world war one memorial stadium yeah yeah so they probably didn't have much electricity back then when they started it yeah. So, yeah. okay. So, so, uh, um, <laughs> Kurt continues. Hazel would likely have been gone last year had Burke not been on the short timer syndrome and wanted to give the new AD the chance to hire his own candidate. Why they didn't wait until the end of the season, I don't know, but Purdue will be darn lucky to squeeze into any bowl game, and a six and six season wouldn't have saved Hazel's job, most likely. Curiously, Mike Babinski came to Purdue from his previous position as athletic director at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech went out and hired their new AD, Todd Stansbury, from Oregon State. So the story is distantly connected to the Beavers. From a political perspective, Purdue's new president, Mitch Daniels, was hired in January 2013, which was a surprise because he had just been the governor of the state of Indiana for eight years and had been considered a likely Republican presidential candidate in 2016. Heck, he might still be a candidate in 2020. Notably, his replacement was governor was some guy named Mike Pence. Purdue and Oregon State have a lot in common, the least of which is that my dad taught political science at both schools. Anyway, that's more than you ever wanted to know about Purdue, although I'd be happy to send you a Purdue fact of the week if you give a hoot. (laughs) Kurt, 
who signed it. Kurt, the Purdue ambassador, you never knew you knew. So you you never knew you knew. Yeah. So. It's like Gary Ganu. Pretty much. Great Space Coaster. Pretty much. Yeah. So, anyways, well, I I mean I understand that. Uh, I think I even said that you know, I can understand not keeping him because even if he wins a couple games, you probably want him gone. Mm-hmm. I think I even said that last week. But for me, it was just I don't know. I just the the low class on how they did it. Yes. So yeah. I just, I just thought it was, and the, the, to me it was like, Oh, he was a great guy. I'd be happy to have him, but he's no longer a coach. It kind of reminds me of uh, when they fired, what's his face on the, uh, on the tarmac there at LAX. Oh, Kiffin. Yeah. 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 But anyways, there you, there you go. So, goodbye. And beach. We have, Bye-bye. we Bye-bye. Ha- we have another, Bye-bye. we have another little bit of feedback. Although this really isn't listener feedback. This is more tailgater news. Okay. You, you know what this is. Oh, I know what this is. Yes. So. This is huge. This is huge. So. Like big. So. So people that know us know we have been tailgating and going to Beaver games since 19. Well, I've been doing it since high school, 89, 90, when I was a junior and senior. But really, we've been going religiously since I was a freshman in college, which would have been the fall of 1991. Now. Correct. And now we piss and moan and bitch and complain a lot when they do the giveaways at Reeser because they're like, oh, lucky row. And it's never Section 10. Section 10 hasn't won crap in 25 years. Exactly. And uh, No free ice cream, no cottage cheese, no Qdoba gift card. The only thing we get is if the Beavers win, you get a, like a free Carl's Jr. burger on the back of your ticket stub. And everybody gets those. Exactly. And so people know that I, I piss and moan and complain about that. I've also, for the last few years, pissed and moan and complained when the Oregon Beef Council hands out their tailgater of, of the game award. And I was always complaining because I'm like, they never leave the main parking lot right there around Research Stadium. Which, and is I'm the like, high, which is the high rent district. Well, and the thing is, they go to these tailgaters and like, oh, there's like 10 people cooking a burger on a hibachi. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, Abachi. Abachi. <laughs> and they never see what we do. And I like to think that for a non-professional tailgater, I mean, we don't have somebody coming in and catering stuff. Nope. We don't have anyone plan it. This is us. Mm-hmm. Right. We yep. do. We do a pretty fan freaking tastic job. Well, so we kind of started <laughs> an email campaign with the, Oregon Beef Council. With the Oregon Beef Council. And yep. so this kind of started last year. I know mom was the one that kind of took a hold of it and kind of went after it a little bit. She was pissed. Yeah, because she's like, you know, they never they never come here. And so mom started and and I I sent two. Um and then we all kind of they they we found out that they don't actually go out and pick somebody during the game, during the tailgate of that game. They actually haven't picked beforehand. Yes, which they, t- they 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 pick at a game like a prior game. Yeah, I think they must go out and tour the just in the main parking lot because the other thing that they said was they have Benny show up to those tailgaters. Yeah, and Benny's time is limited because Benny has to go back out and be on the on on the show for for uh, promoting an outside research stadium, so they don't want him to go very far. And so that was one of their complaints is you know we're about what three blocks away from the stadium. Yeah. 
So it's a it's a little bit of a walk for Ben. And 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 they said, you know, we understand. It's just we're kind of under a time crunch. I sent tons of pictures of all the food, all the beef we cook. Mm-hmm. So on we do lots of dead cow. Correct. So on Monday morning at eight thirty six, one Miss Kathy Heinrich got a email that reads, and I quote, "Hi Kathy." Congratulations, you've won the Oregon Beef Council Ultimate Tailgating Package versus Washington State on October 29th. We will be coming by your tailgate around 5.40 p.m. with your prize and the film crew. I wanted to confirm that your tailgate location is at the parking lot of 15th and Western. Somehow we are always in a time crunch situation on game day, so it's important we know your exact location. Also, could I please have a picture of you slash your tailgate? Feel free to let me know if you need anything or have any questions Thanks and congratulations, Hannah Carbonaro. Now, I had also gotten some emails through the Heinrich Tailgater page. I got one from Will Wise saying, thanks for your great note. The Heinrich Tailgater sounds like a lot of fun. Um, And this was today at 11 o'clock. And he just said, you know, we'll be putting your stuff. um, Because I sent my email to the Oregon Beef Council. He mailed this other girl named Julie Hoffman. Julie Hoffman emailed me back and said, Hi, William. Will Weiss sent me your email about your great tailgate group that you represent at the Oregon State Games. We will be at the Heinrich tailgate party this week before the Washington game. I believe it's the same one, and we have been in contact with Catherine Heinrich. Will this, by chance, be your mother? If so, I'm excited that we meet everyone and celebrate Beaver Pride with you. Please confirm if you are the same group. Thanks so much for promoting beef. Best, Julie Hoffman. So, yes, the Oregon Beef Council will be coming by the tailgate at 545 on Saturday. Which is perfect, because when we get to the menu for this week's tailgate, you'll see how how perfect it's going to be. It's kind of it's, awesome. it's kind of been the one I've been pushing. I've been sending them lots of pictures saying you need to come to the Washington State game. Come to the Washington State game. So, anyways, big news. Wanted to get that out there. I'm excited. So, are are we going to keep this as a secret for just our podcast listeners, or when are we going to make this go public? Or did you already make it go public? I've already I've, I've already told a couple of people. You just put it on the damn. Uh, we need to put it on the damn Facebook. Okay, I, I can handle that after the podcast. If okay, you, mind. you do that. Right. Perfect. Do you need some pictures of me with beef? You know, there's a picture of you where you're wearing your apron that says "I love beef." Nice. Do you have that picture? It's, I'm sure it's on Facebook. So I'll take and, and, and if not, if not, I've got a picture of me with lots of beef. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I got a lot of beef here, but we can't show that picture. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send you that picture too. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Anyways, this so is, this is pretty awesome. You know, we've been only wanting this crap for, I mean, how many, it's been what, 15 years? We sit there and we're like, son of a bitch. Why is and, it, and, it's, and, and it's not even really like that. We care, but dang nabbit, we freaking care. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. We're, you know, we're better than everybody else. Damn it. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, no, damn it. We're, where's ours? You know, where's When's mine? my turn? When, Lord? When's my turn? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, all right, Beach, you ready to get on to some Beaver sports news? Oh, you know um, you, you know what I watched today, sorry to inter- uh, or the other day? I was just watching, can't remember where the heck I was at. I think it was at a bar. And uh, I was watching my favorite sport, Billy. Women's volleyball? Okay. Women's volleyball. And it was Arizona was playing... Washington State? Anyway, it just reminded me why women's volleyball is my favorite sport. That's all I'm going to say. Nice. 
Yeah. Well, right. Beach, we're right. going to start with women's volleyball. It's my favorite sport, Billy. There you go. McKenna Hollingsworth and Sam Rolu each recorded double-doubles, and Mary-Kate Marshall finished with a match-best 18 kills, but the Oregon State volleyball team was edged by Colorado in four sets Friday night at the Coors Event Center. Frickin' Buffaloes. Yeah. Lanisha Reagan and Sam Romulo, Rolu each posted double-doubles as the Oregon State volleyball team pushed 20th-ranked Utah to five sets Saturday night, losing a seesaw battle at the Huntsman Center. The Beavs are now 8-12 overall, 1-9 in the Pac-12, Pac-12, and they return to action Friday night when hosting Arizona State at 7 p.m. You know, Billy, once like In-N-Out gets up here, you know, a little bit closer, mm-hmm. and the In-N-Out truck is closer, we should totally hire them to come to a women's volleyball game. And that way, we can all be eating double-doubles as we watch the girls get double-doubles. There you go. That's what I like. That would make – that would be – I mean – you know, you know how you're always looking for the trifecta. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like two thirds of a trifecta right there. Watching women volleyball, eating a double double. There you go. I wonder what the third part of that would be. We don't need to talk about that. All right, Beach. Up next is women's soccer. All right. Senior Helene Havoc scored two second half goals to lead Oregon State past Arizona State two to nothing on Thursday night at Paul Lorenz Field. Havoc's scores were her fourth and fifth of the season and her first in the Pac-12 schedule. Then the Oregon State women's soccer team fell to the Arizona Wildcats Sunday afternoon at Paul Lorenz Field three to nothing. It was the final home match for seniors Greta Espinoza, Annie Govig, Sabrina Santarosa, Mackenzie Redberg, and Helene Havoc. The Beavs are now 7-8 and eight overall, 2-6 and six in the Pac-12, and will finish the season on the road, traveling to Washington State on Thursday before playing Washington on Sunday. They will then close out the season at Oregon for the Civil War game on Friday, November 4th. Hey, Billy, have we ever talked? Um, Paul Lorenz, who was he? We have talked about him. God dang it, we talked about him years ago, Beads. Oh, okay, I thought we did, but I mean, it's been forever. Um. So. You you don't recall either. I'm gonna find out right now. I'm thinking about uh, it. I was just curious. It was coming back to my mind here. And hold on. I always do this to you, and I apologize. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can see what it says. So it's actually named after. Dang it. I'm looking here. It says um, <clears throat> it's Paul Lorenz Field at Patrick Wayne Valley Stadium. Yes. Now, Patrick Wayne Valley, that goes back to when the track was there. Because when okay. the track sat basically where the Hilton is now, where the, oh, Hilton, yeah. where the Hilton and the uh, and the softball complex is, that was Patrick Wayne Valley Field. Now, that was named after a former Oregon State track athlete, Patrick Wayne Valley, whose family was also what the Valley Library was named after. Okay. Yes. They how, don't... About the val- how about the Valley Center? Yes. Okay. They donated all. Not the library? The yeah. library is her. No. The library was Kerr when you were going there. It's now Valley Library. What the hell happened? Uh, Kerr is Kerr is now the name of the uh, is now the name of the uh, 
admin building. Okay. So it opened as the William Jasper Kerr Library in 63, but was expanded and renamed in 1999 to the Valley Library. It was named after philanthropist F. Wayne Valley, who played football for Oregon State. Okay. And I believe the Valleys... And, and Patrick Wayne is... Patrick Wayne, I believe, was his son. Okay. Who I believe died, um, and they named the uh, stadium after after the son because I believe they donated money to him. Now, okay. Um. So, uh, Patrick Wayne Valley, or not Patrick, uh, the the father, um, F Wayne Valley. Um, he uh had a home building career. He started a home building company and uh, started building the business in the late forties. And his businesses were based in the East Bay city of San Leandro, California. Now he later moved to Piedmont, California in the sixties. Now here's something interesting that a lot of people don't realize. F Wayne Valley was one of the original owners along with, uh, uh, Chet Soda and six other investors of the Oakland Raiders football team. Wow. Yeah. Now Valley took control of the franchise in 60, 1960 and was the managing partner of the team with Ed McGraw until forced out of his role by Al Davis in 72 Valley subsequently sold a stake in 76. Okay. Yeah. Now they, they, uh, uh, F. Wayne Valley and his wife Gladys left the majority of their net worth to the Wayne and Gladys Valley Foundation, based in Oakland, California. Okay, so, and 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 that foundation has given Oregon State money over like for the Valley yeah. Center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and for the library. Yeah. Well, and must see, have, must have well, good money over the years. Well, and and see, he died in '86. She died in '98, and she's survived by her two children. Michael W. Michael W. and Tamara A. Valley. Now Tamara chairs the foundation. On on September fifteenth, two thousand three, the board of directors unanimously decided to wind down the foundation and distribute approximately one billion U.S. dollars in assets by twenty eighteen. Wow. Yeah. Now see that they're the they're a key don that that foundation is a key donor donor to OSU um, for both academics and athletics. They've done the Valley Library the Valley Gymnastics Center, and the Valley Football Center. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So, so but, but, but now that money is going to be no more as of 2018 when the whole, when they've depleted all of their resources. Correct. Hmm. It's kind of sad, but that's kind of cool in the same time. Yeah. Now, I am not sure who Paul Lorenz is, but I will do more looking and I'll try to let you know next week. Okay. Well, here, let me see. So that's the valleys. Um, see, so it was opened in 1996. Patrick Wayne Valley Stadium. The stadium is named after the late Patrick Wayne Valley, who was an Oregon State football letterman on the, and the 64 Rose Bowl team member. The field is named for Paul Lorenz, who is the former owner of LNH Grading in Salem and provided equipment for the construction of the original surface. Oh, okay. There you go. So L and H. So L must be Lorenz. Gotcha. So that's cool. Anyways, so there you go. Okay. All right. All right, Beach. Uh, moving on. Time for women's swimming for listener Greg. 
The Oregon State women's swimming team competed at the pink meet um, by UCLA, hosted by UCLA at the Speaker Aquatic Center on last Saturday afternoon. Now, OSU freshman Felisa Anderson highlighted the Beavers in the 200-yard backstroke with a second-place finish and logging a time of 2 minutes, 1.69 seconds, which is another career best. Oregon State will return to Corvallis and host the Alumni Realize on, on Saturday, October 29th at Osborne Aquatic Center. Mm. And last little bit of news. We're kind of in between sporting seasons right now with basketball trying to get set up and wrestling starting soon. But right now, Beach, uh, the only other piece of news we have is that the kickoff time for next weekend's game at Stanford has been set. 12.30 kickoff. 12.30 kickoff? At Stanford. At Stanford. Correct. Okay. We have two away games in a row after this week. Oh, that's not bad. I need a dude with the election coming around the corner. I need a break. Well, and it's going to be a perfect so. time because the election falls right in the middle of those two weeks. Wow. Yep. I tell you, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough next. What, what do we got uh, from today? When we're recording, we've got uh, 15 days. Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll see how we hold up. Hey, it's been, been awesome support, Billy. Hey, Hey, Beach. Billy. I think I hear your teletype going. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. It, it's it's still printing. Still printing. It's a teletype, yeah. Hold on. Okay, hold on. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Jeez, that's, a, that's a long one. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. University of Oregon hires motivational speaker to improve football team's disposition. We have an exclusive soundbite from the locker room chat from Heiner Tailgater's own street reporter, Steve. Go ahead and play it, Steve. <laughs> we haven't heard Steve in a while. Yeah. Go ahead and play it, Steve. We relieve you from the fears and anxieties which are so inherently symptomatic of a losing team. Sorry, Doc. I had a little bit the mind is a strange thing, and you must begin by asking it, what is losing? Losing is a disease as contagious as polio. Losing is a disease as contagious as syphilis. Losing is a disease as contagious as bubonic plague. Attacking one, but infecting all. Ah, but curable. Now I want you to imagine you are on a ship at sea on a vast Hobbs, you want to ocean. sit back down there and pay attention? Gently rocking. Hobbs, get back in here! Gently rocking. Gently 
rock it. Gently rock it. Wow. That was motivational, wasn't it, Billy? <laughs> yeah, Beach. That Losing... was... <laughs> Losing is a disease as contagious as syphilis. Wow. Never thought of it that way before. What's the worst is when you have them both going through the locker room. <laughs> we haven't heard Steve in a while. Oh, God. God bless Steve. He really he really digs into it and goes in deep, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> nothing too dirty or downright disgusting for Steve to get into. Uh, I didn't realize we were going with that. Okay. All right. So hopefully that'll help Oregon. They had a they had a tough game. Actually took it in overtime this last week, and they were close. Yeah. So well, I guess we'll get more here shortly. Yes, we'll do that right now when we go under further review for week number eight in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! Number eight. All right, Beach. So, first up, we will talk about that game we were just talking about. Friday, October 21st was Oregon at Cal. Now, with our picks, Beach, heading into last week, Kyle... I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was in third place with 44 out of 61. You were in second place. Oops, sorry. Kyle was 41 out of 56. Beej was 41 out of 56. And I was 42 out of 56. And did we have any variance on our guesses for last week? Just one. Okay. Just one. All right, Beej. So uh, I was in the lead by one. So up first was the Oregon at Cal game Beej. Who did you take? I took Cal, Billy. I think we all took Cal, Beach. You know why we took Cal? Why, Beach? Don't don't tell the people in Eugene. But Oregon's not very good this year. <laughs> no. So after more than two hundred plays, one hundred and one points, and one thousand eighty six yards of offense, it was California's defense that stepped up to the end to steal to seal another thrilling game for the Golden Bears. Now, Matt Anderson kicked a 28-yard field goal in the second overtime, and Jordan Kajanzik ended the game with an interception on the FBS record 203rd play, giving Cal a 52-49 victory over Oregon on Friday night. Now, Cal quarterback Davis Webb threw five TD passes and ran for a sixth to lead the way for the Golden Bears, who snapped a seven-game losing streak to Oregon. Now, freshman Justin Herbert threw six touchdown passes and rallied Oregon back from a 20-point deficit in the third quarter, but it wasn't enough for the Ducks, who lost their fifth straight game for their longest skid since 1996. Now, the one positive for the Ducks was the play of the freshman Herbert, who threw for 258 yards, including a 20-yard TD to Jalen Brown in the first overtime in his second-ever career start. It was a pretty ugly one for the Ducks on Friday. Yeah, it doesn't uh, – I can't believe they did that many freaking plays. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, I mean, I remember seeing games that went for, like, <laughs> ridiculous amount of plays, like, I mean, uh, overtimes, like seven, eight overtimes. And still this was more plays because they run so many plays in regulation. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oregon's got they, – they're still doing a pretty fast uh, turn. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not as fast as it was when Chip Kelly was there when they had blur speed. That was like their fastest when they go went to blur. Blur. Yeah. 
So, ducks are hurting. Did uh, did you did you watch any of that game? No, no, Billy. On the days that I don't have a tailgater, I have to work all day. I understand. So I understand. I, yeah. It was on. It was on Friday night. Um, oh, that's it, it. I mean, they just they look like a defeated team. Yeah, I I was at the uh, I went to um, Spaghetti Factory for dinner on Friday night, and I watched the start of the first quarter, and I think it was fourteen nothing, and I thought, well, I got to go ahead home, and and this isn't going to be much of a game, so I'm I'm actually surprised it turned into one at the end. Yeah, because so, they they just they don't look that. I mean, Oregon just doesn't look very good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was kind of it, going back to our update from Eugene. It's like, a, and they said it in the news, it's like a lot of their players just aren't feeling it this year. Like, you mm-hmm. just don't see them in the game. No. And so, I, I think some of them are just getting ready to leave. You know, Royce Freeman, who was their stud running back, I mean, he looks like crap. And I don't know if he's still hurt or if he just doesn't give a rip. You think they're just done? I, I don't know. I don't know. I like Helfrich. I just don't think he's a head coach. Really? You don't think he can get what he needs out of his players? No. I think he's probably a really good offensive coordinator, but you need to be a little more dynamic, I think, to be a head coach, and I don't know if he has that. Hmm. Anyways, all right, Beach. We'll see. Well, so we all got the point there. Moving on, all the rest of the games are on Saturday, October 22nd. First up, Colorado at Stanford. Who, Beach? who did you take? It was at, at Stanford. I took Colorado because I think they're the team to beat this year. Yes, and Kyle took Stanford. Mm-hmm. And who did you take, Billy? I took Colorado, which is good. Outside of a brief celebration in the northwest corner of the end zone at Stanford Stadium and an acknowledgement later in the locker room, the Buffaloes didn't make much of their 10-5 to win over the Cardinal other than it was another step toward their ultimate goal of winning the Pac-12 championship which was amazing because that win secured them a bowl game for the first time since 2007. Wow. Now, Colorado kicker Chris Graham kicked a 23-yard field goal with 2.13 remaining following two earlier misses, propelling the Buffaloes to their first win over the Cardinals since joining the Pac-12 in 2011. The Buffaloes missed three field goals and had a touchdown called back by a pass interference penalty but held the Cardinal to three points while winning for the fourth time in five games. Now, quarterback Sefa Lafau passed for 135 yards with one touchdown despite being sacked six times. Now, Stanford failed to score a touchdown for the first time this season, despite getting running back Christian McCaffrey back in the lineup. McCaffrey, a 2015 Heisman Trophy finalist, was held to 92 yards on 21 carries, but was also held in check most of the afternoon by Colorado's opportunistic defense. Now, the Buffaloes intercepted Stanford quarterback Ryan Burns three times, twice on consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter to stall the Cardinals' comeback hopes. At one point late in the first half, the home crown booed Stanford when it ran the ball on a second and 26 play. Wow. Yeah, Stanford again, offensively just not very good. Not very good. Yeah, not at all. So, Beach, you and I got the points there. Kyle, however... Did not. Poor Kyle. Hey, Beach, up next. Number nine, Utah. Excuse me, number 19, Utah at UCLA. Ooh. Who did I pick on this one? I think I took uh, at UCLA. Yes. 
Oh, dang it. Who did I take on this one, Billy? I completely forgot. That was a tough – I think I had tough picking, picking it last time. All three of us took Utah. Okay. Now, five years after Utah running back Joe Williams and UCLA quarterback Mike Fawful left Fork Union Military Academy together, they both posted record-breaking performances on the same wild afternoon. Now, only Williams left the Rose Bowl happy with his effort and his decision to get back in the game with the Utes. Now, Williams rushed for a school record 332 yards and four TDs in his second game back from retirement. And number 19, Utah, held off pass-happy UCLA 52-45 to Saturday afternoon. Now, Williams broke off TD runs of 3, 43, 64, and 55 yards during the greatest rushing day in Utah history, surpassing Mike Anderson's 1999 record and the most prolific rushing performance ever by a UCLA opponent. Now, a lot of people don't know, but Williams quit football last month before returning last week for the Oregon State game when injuries decimated Utah's depths. And he's had 511 yards on the ground in two games since. Now, Fawful made his own history, setting UCLA records for pass attempts with 70 and completions with 40 while throwing for 464 yards, third most in the school history books. Now, UCLA essentially abandoned its awful running game, which began the weekend ranked 126th out of 128 teams. So, yes, a lot of people don't realize that but Williams had retired. He was senior, beat up, and kind of down the depth chart. And he said, you know what? I'm I'm beat up. I'm just going to heal up, finish out school. I'm done with football. You know, I'm not going to be playing in the pros. So I'm just going to walk away now and let my body recover. He, they, he might they, end up playing. He might end up playing in the pros with this kind of attitude. Well, and then kind of and then the the coaches called him back a couple of weeks ago and said, "Hey, look, we we don't have anybody left. Would you think about coming back?" So he said, "Yes." Went off for like 170 some odd yards against the Beavs, and then 332 against UCLA. It's nuts. Like the Brett Favre of college football, right there. Pretty much. Going to retire. Uh, I'm going to come back. All right, so all of us got the win there. Next up, Beach, Washington State at Arizona State. Yes. <laughs> you remember who you took? Um, ooh, Billy, Billy. I took I took the Cougs because Arizona State just isn't that good. It's, it's like there's some teams out there that just aren't that good. Correct. So how did Washington State do, Billy? Well, did they wa- – they... Washington State quarterback Luke Falk threw for 398 yards and three touchdowns, helping Washington State hold off Arizona State 37-32 Saturday night in a game punctuated by heated words during the coach's postgame handshake, which we will get into a little bit later. Now, Washington State had more trouble with Arizona State's defensive scheme in the first quarter. Unable to get anything going as the Sun Devils dropped deep into coverage and forced Falk to throw underneath which is something we might see the Bees do this week. Now, once Falk adjusted, he picked the Sun Devils apart, leading the Cougs to 28 straight points, a run triggered by Robert Taylor's 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Now, Falk hit Tavares Martin on a 9-yard TD late in the second quarter and Jamal Morrow on a 3-yard score in the third. The junior also laid the ball in perfectly for Gabe Marks, who became Washington State's all-time receptions leader on a 52-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter that put the Cougs up 37-21. to Now, Falk completed passes to 11 different receivers and connected on 42 of 53 overall to keep Washington State tied atop the North Division with number 5 Washington after its fifth straight win. Now, Arizona State was down to its fourth-string quarterback after Manny Wilkins was injured on the opening drive 
and had four other starters out. The Suns Devils still managed to lead by 11 early and clawed most of their way back from a 16-point deficit in the fourth quarter. Now, Tim Tim White had a 70-yard touchdown on a punt return for the Sun Devils, and Zane Gonzalez had a 29-yard field goal to pull Arizona State within 37-32. But Falk and the Cougs ground down the game's final four minutes and 36 seconds. You know, it sounds like Arizona State's quarterback situation sounds like they're the Beavers of the South for as uh, beat up as their quarterback is. Theirs is even more dire. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty beat up. All right, Beavs. That's the game of football. Yep. So we all got the win there. Next up, last game of the week, Beach, Oregon State at Washington. I debated on this one. I debated. I prayed, um, lit a candle at church, and I came up with the beeves on this one, Billy. How did I do? Well, Washington quarterback Jake Browning threw three touchdown passes to give him 26 for the season, added another rushing TD, and the Huskies used a big first half to roll past Oregon State 41-17 to on Saturday. And they continue to dominate the first half. Washington put away this expected blowout early, jumping to a 21-0 lead after one quarter and leading 31-0 at halftime. Now, Washington has now outscored their opponents 100-7 in the first quarter and 200-24 in the first half. Wow. Now, Browning led the attack, even if his completion percentage wasn't up to the standard he set through the first six games, when he led the country hitting 72% of his throws. Browning threw touchdowns of 19 yards to Aaron Fuller and 23 yards to Dante Pettis, sandwiched around his own one-yard TD run in the first quarter. Now, Browning added a 41-yard touchdown pass to Pettis in the third quarter, and he finished 14 of 28 for 291 yards. And Coach Peterson said part of the game plan was to take more shots downfield, leading to the lower percentage completion percentage. Now, the Ross receiver for Washington had 115 yards receiving and Pettis added 112, both with four catches, giving the Huskies two receivers with more than hundred yards for the first time since 2002. The depleted Beavs started third string quarterback Marcus McMarion after Daryl Gerritsen and Connor Blount were injured. McMarion was 12 of 26 for 148 yards and two interceptions. Now the Beavs were also without starting running back Ryan Nall due to a foot injury aggravated in last week's loss to Utah. Now, third-string running back Tim Cook had 108 yards rushing and a late TD, while Victor Bolden Jr. had a 75-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. So, Beach, did... Any update on Nall? Is he going to be playing uh, this week? They haven't said yet. They okay. haven't said You know, can I, can I tell you something that irritated me? I was listening to the Beavs... Um, Radio broadcast? Uh, yeah, and he said... Um, uh, he, he said... We don't talk about injuries. I don't talk about injuries. And that kind of pissed me off. So we don't discuss injuries at Oregon State. And I'm like, you Chip Kelly son of a bitch. Well, so I mean, it's technically you're if the you're not supposed to because of HIPAA laws. Oh, that's true. That's true. So uh, he will say if somebody's out. Yeah. But anyways, so did you watch the game at all, Beach, or did you just listen to it on the radio? I just listened to it on the radio. What did you think of the game that you heard? It just doesn't sound like we got it together. You know what? Okay. I watched that game, and the first half was tough. But you know what? Watching that game, the Beavs never quit, and Washington didn't push them around physically. Granted, Washington State's a, or Washington's a better team. Mm-hmm. I, I will give them that. Washington's a phenomenally talented football team. 
Oregon State didn't let them push him around. You know, no, well, they still had a noticed. they still had a running back with 108 yards. You know, well, third we, string running back. We we got beat, but we didn't get our we didn't get it handed to us like Oregon did. So no. that's what some you know some the the thing, thing is they were a lot of times they were still in position to make they they were where they needed to be. Now they just got to work on finishing plays. You know, and and I just I just wish our passing game would just be a little bit more effective. I mean, you're not going to win with uh, what we have. Uh, 148 yards. Yes. 12 for 26. We're hitting less than 50% and two interceptions on top of that. Well, and part of that is <laughs> you got to have receivers make those catches. And they just because there's there's sometimes well I mean it's down to the quarterback well, making the throws too but there's sometimes yeah. where the ball hits you in the hands you got to catch it. Exactly. Well, it's like Mike Hass. That sucker was within a zone of Mike Hass. He'd pick that crap up. Yeah. Uh, so one, and, and, but receivers like him are few and far between and, ones that you can get that close and somehow he scoops it up and grabs it. True. And that being said, there was one interception that Washington had that was a phenomenal play. Really? I mean, he went up with with one hand, grabbed the ball, held on to it, and somehow got his foot down. It was probably the best play of the day in the Pac-12. Wow. And it was an interception that really didn't mean much because it was towards the end of the game, but it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, but – you know, Beach, the Beavs have lost five games. They're two and five. Mm-hmm. Of those five games, four of those teams are in the top 25. All right. So Pac-12, I'm actually surprised the Pac-12 is standing out so much this year just because I, I kind of felt we were going to beat each up, beat each other up really bad, and nobody was really going to get any rankings. But uh, And what did Oregon start the rankings at this year? Weren't they ranked like 22? Something in the 20s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, talk about how bad the rankings are. Yeah. All right, Beavs, let's talk about rankings. We'll go to the Pac-12 and the polls. We'll start up first with the AP poll. Washington moved up a spot to number four. Utah moved up two spots to 17. Colorado checked back into the top 25 at number 23. And Washington State and USC are in the others receiving votes category. In the USA Today coaches poll, again, Washington's up a spot to number four. Utah up to 16. Colorado back in at 23 and Washington state and USC are again in the others receiving votes category. Hey, hey Billy. Yeah. We, we never do this, but could we possibly look at the rankings for the, where, where we're situated for the PAC 12 North and PAC 12 South and the PAC 12 overall. What do you mean? Uh, so like, what's the rankings? Like what, what's the, uh, who, what, who, who's in the top and down on the PAC 12 North? Who's in the top and down on the PAC 12 South? Oh, the the conference so, standings. Yeah, so you got Washington okay. State. You okay, okay. So, top. so in the in the conference standings, uh, in the South Division, we'll start there. Um, okay. U- Utah's in at four and one. Mm-hmm. They're number one. Colorado in at four and one. USC is third at three and two. Arizona State at two and three. Well, UCLA at one and four. Arizona at zero oh and four. Now, those are simply the conference games. Okay. So four and one, four and one, three and two, but two that, and three. That's all, but that's all that really matters when you're looking at the Rose Bowl. Well, then the next thing that well, it's the Pac-12 championship game. But the next, the next uh, overall is um, tiebreaker. The tie, the first tiebreaker is, you know, how you do head to head, and if that doesn't, then how you do in your uh, out of conference games. And Utah and Colorado haven't played each other yet because they play each other at the end of the season. And Colorado lost a non-conference game, whereas Utah didn't. Okay. 
but at this point they're tied for the for the, lead. the south lead yeah and then ultimately if that continues then their their game is going to be a definitive game yes now up uh, in the north division you've got washington at 4 and 0 washington state at 4 and 0 cal at 2 and 2 stanford at 2 and 3 oregon state at 1 and 3 and oregon at 0 and 4 wow yeah who would have thought that uh, oregon at the midway point of the season would be dead last with not even a Pac-12 North. win yet. No Pac-12 wins. Kind of crazy, huh? It is, you know, it's it's it is really a shocking thing. Yep. All right, Beach. Well, it's now time to move on to our favorite segment of the week, the Tommy Tuberville. What do you think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. Jackass of the Week Award. Now, every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. Beej, if you look on your outline, there is a link for you. I always love it when you send me links, Billy. It's there you just go. the best. There you go. Hold on one second. Okay. We're going to hit the link. You can check that I out. I heard about this. Yes. I heard about this. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Got to wait for it. Got to push the button. So, I'll start out here. Now, in the Washington State-Arizona State game, Washington State coach Mike Leach had some words for Arizona State earlier in the week when he accused the school's coaches of stealing signals. Now, following the Cougars' 37-32 win over the Sun Devils on Saturday night, Arizona State coach Todd Graham had some words of his own for Leach during the postgame handshake that could be heard on the broadcast of the game. Now, as the two men met at midfield, Graham greeted, good game, Mike. Then he pulled Leach closer and said, hey, man, what you did in the newspaper is chicken shit. I've always respected you. For you to do that is bullshit. Leach walked away and did not respond. Now, did did you see that? Did you see that clip? I, I hold on here. Let me see. So I was it again. I was watching that game, and I so was. So Mike actually walked away. Oh, Leach walked away. Graham said it was bullshit, and it was it was funny to see because I was watching that um, live. I had just turned it on, and uh, I mean I've been watching that game most of the night, and then um, I uh, was watching as they walked up. I'm like, oh, this might be interesting. And then he said that I was like, oh my gosh, did they just say that twice on the air? And it was funny because the announcer was like, oh, yeah, a little words there between the two coaches. <laughs> now, during his meeting with the media on Monday, Leach said he thought Arizona State tries to seal, steal signals and called it, quote, an unsavory practice. Now, he made similar accusations against the Sun Devils last say- season, saying the Pac-12 should launch an investigation, which it never did. Why? Because there are no rules against stealing signals. And Leach was fined $10,000 and reprimanded by the Pac-12 on Thursday for disparaging comments towards another member institution. Now, during his postgame news conference on Saturday, Leach was asked about Arizona State's seven sacks, to which he quipped, quote, I respectfully decline to answer that at the risk of getting a public reprimand or fined. Any questions about them, I really don't plan to answer. But I thought we could have played better on the old line. How's that? Now, Graham declined to discuss his postgame talk with Leach, according to reports. Now, the win did move Washington State into a tie with Washington atop the Pac-12 North standings, 
while Arizona State has dropped three of its past four after starting out the season four and zero. So Beach, wow. this and you know me, I I do not like Mike Leach. No, I'm I'm surprised though that he walked away without retaliating. I don't think I I don't think he can do well with that kind of confrontation. How do you bully Todd Graham? He can't bully Todd Graham. And I don't think he knows how to handle it. No, he, he, he walked away really oddly. Oh, yeah. Like, like he was, like, uncomfortable with the situation. Oh, you know he was. You know he was. Completely uncomfortable. Because he, he doesn't do well. If he's the one in charge, the one in power, you know, if he, if he feels like he's the one in control, then he's fine. But when yeah. he's not in control of that situation, oh, no, he was done. You've always said he's a strange duck. Yeah, he's, he's odd. He's a weird dude. I almost think I almost think he has a touch of Asperger's syndrome, which is, you know, it's kind of on the spectrum. But those guys, mm-hmm. those people tend to be very, very intelligent. Yeah. Um, but he's not stupid. He's not stupid. No, he's not stupid. But he's not, he's socially awkward, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. So, yeah, I just, I, I don't like the guy. You know, there, there's no rule against stealing signals. Mm-hmm. That's part of the game. It's part of the game of baseball. Now, you can't have anybody up filming. It's part of the game of baseball, too. It's okay. part of the game of football. Okay. Is you, you can't have anybody filming the other coach's signals. But if you want to have a guy stand there and try to figure out what they're doing, hell yeah. I know players that will sit there and watch the other team's coaches signal stuff in trying to pick stuff up. Wow. It's part of the game. Uh-huh. It always has been. Now, you know, I know last year, I think, I know Oregon, for one, they put up big sheets to try and block these, their sideline from being seen by by the other coaches. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, anyways, I just think, you know, if you don't want them stealing your signals, one, get more complicated signals, or mm-hmm. come, up with, come up with a better way of doing it. Yeah. Because that's gamesmanship. The bur- the burden is upon you, not on them. Exactly. And if if and if Mike Leach wants to have some guy sit there and try to steal signals, that's up to them. Mm-hmm. That's up to them. Anyways, so Mike Leach, for being such a freaking weirdo, this week's Jackass of the Award, Jackass of the Week Award. <laughs> is for you. All right. I just don't like that guy. He's my my easily my most hated coach in the Pac-12. Yep. So, all right, Beach. It is now time for the musical interlude of the week. This week is my choice. Mm-hmm. I did not talk to you about this beforehand, but you kind of started this whole hell theme going on. Yes, I did start a hell theme going on. So I'm going to continue that. We're going to play a little D A D. Now okay. I know I know you know who you know who DAD is, right? Yes, they sing a couple good songs. Yes. Now DAD is a Danish rock band. It was a religion it was originally named Disneyland After Dark, but they had to rename it after the Walt Disney Company threatened a lawsuit. Now their style of music is most often categorized as kind of melodic heavy rock. Now in the early eighties in Copenhagen, Denmark, DAD started playing together under the original name Disneyland After Dark. But one of the members came up with the name based on the idea that when the lights are out at Disneyland, anything can happen. 
he thought the name kind of reflected their music. It's, to me, it's kind of silly, but but I, I like a couple of their songs. Now, today's song that we're going to play, Beach, were you going to say something? No, no, you. Add, I was going to add that, but you already you finished up my thoughts, so we're all good. Okay, so today's song we're going to play is Rim of Hell. Rim of Hell. So here, Beach, is D.A.D. with Rim of Hell. It's hot for his friends. 
There we go, Beads. And I have to agree, they do throw the best damn parties at the Rim of Hell. It's a great song. So, anyways. Okay, does this mean I have to keep the hell theme going on next week? Quite possibly. I'm going to have to look. Maybe that should be our... Yeah, maybe. We've kind of created a theme and we didn't even intend to. Well, you created it. Yeah, I did. I did. So, So. it's all on you. Got to add a fog machine to that. I thought you said you were going to play some fog hat. Ooh, fog hat. That's what I figured was coming. Fog hat. I'm like, really? Okay. All right. Where are we at, Billy? Okay, Beach. It is now time to go and look at the week number nine preview of the Pac-12. All right, Beach. So just to recap, uh, Kyle was 44 out of 61. You are at 45 out of 61. And I'm in the lead with 46 out of 61. Okay, Beach. Looks like we've got one, two, three, four, five games on tap. First game is actually Thursday night, October 27th. First up, Cal at USC. Who do you got? I'm taking USC. Okay. And the reason why is, didn't we lose to USC on a Thursday night? Wasn't that the Fog Bowl? It might have been. I thought the Fog Bowl fell on like a Thursday night. It might have been. Yeah, um, I, just, I, I just think USC does well on Thursday nights. Okay. USC. We've got, uh, I too am taking USC. Kyle sent me an email earlier and it said, quote, Tonight I'm having my kids help me make my picks as I put them to bed. So Cal at USC. The guy with the sword will beat the bear even though the bear is faster. USC. That's actually good logic. All right. That's good logic. Okay, Beach. All the rest of the games are on Saturday, October 29th. First up, number four, Washington at number 17, Utah. Probably the Pac-12 game of the week right there. Apple pie versus Mormon funeral potatoes. There you go. Um... I do love me some apple pie. We're going to take Washington. UW. Okay, I too am taking UW because I think UW is the best team in the Pac-12. Kyle says, Washington at Utah. Washington, he's good. Washington. (laughs) George Washington? I don't know. It could be. It could be. be. All right. uh, Next game is Arizona State at Oregon. Okay. So, picture this. I put my hands in the air, grabbing, looking like I'm grabbing somebody's pants. Okay. And then I'm pulling down those pants. And then I'm taking my right hand, and then I'm smacking and smacking that ass, right? Okay. <laughs> that is what Arizona State's going to do to Oregon. Okay. Even though Arizona State's not that good, Oregon is not not gooder. Put a, put a fork in them because they're done. <laughs> Yeah, put a put a pitchfork in them. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be one season they're going to want expunged from their record. Yeah. Yep. So um, I too am taking Arizona State. Kyle said Arizona State at Oregon. Arizona State because she is a strong girl. ASU. So I don't know if she saw a picture of Sparky, the little sun devil, and thought that was a girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll have to get clarification from Kyle on that one. All right, Beach. Two games left. First up, Stanford at Arizona. Um, I think Stanford's gonna gonna thump Arizona. Okay. I too am taking Stanford. Why are you always copying me? I'm not. I've actually got mine written down before you even tell me. 
That's sure, sure. Whatever. If you have to live the lie, live the lie. Okay. <laughs> All right. Kyle said, it sounds like wild crats. We don't have that anymore. Why don't we have that anymore? That was our favorite movie, Arizona. <laughs> no clue. Wild crats. I don't know. Do you know what wild crats is? Maybe Aristocats? Could be. Could it be Aristocats or it could be uh was there was there a movie called The Wildcats with what Goldie Hawn? Wasn't That Goldie was Hawn Wild out? Cats. Oh, Wild Crats. It's on PBS Kids. Okay. It's an American Canadian educational something or other. Freaking Canadians. Educational children's animated series created by Chris and Martin Kratt, the Kratt brothers. So wow. uh, as they encounter incredible wild animals, combining science, education with fun and adventure. So there you go. Wild Kratts. So, so Kyle's kids learned us something. Hmm. Okay, so he's taking Arizona. All right, okay. last game of the week, Washington State at Oregon State. Who are you taking? The Beavs are going to – it's going to be a miracle, right? It's literally going to be a miracle, but it's going to be beautiful. And I'm going to be in the stands. I'm going to be cheering, and I'm going to be crying, and I'll be hoarse at the end. And I'm going to have some Qdoba nachos. There you go. All right, Beach. Uh, I, too, am taking Oregon State. Kyle says Wazoo at Oregon State. Go for Beavers. So that, that sounds like something my kids would have said at that age, too. Go for Beavers. Go for Beavers. All right. So we've got everybody down there. Cool. That, that kind of sounds like go for Beavers. Go like for a hybrid animal. It like could a be. hybrid animal. Like a gopher like a beaver? beaver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Huh. All right, Beach. Um, it's now time to talk about the Heinrich tailgater for this week, which we kind of teased earlier. And I, so, I made I made a heavy sacrifice for this one. Yes, you already went down. So um, with Washington State, now this is a late kickoff. Kickoff is 745. Well, and if, if you're joining us for our tailgater, it is important that you show up at what time, Billy? Well, before 540 when they come by to film. Exactly. Yes. So the main thing on the menu, which is perfect for the beef council coming in, is tri-tip. I make a mean tri-tip. We'll have that queued up and ready and to go. You also, and you also slice it very nicely so, so the people don't have to cut their own. They can just eat it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, Beach, the other big thing and really the most themed thing on the menu is is our mac and cheese. Now, this isn't just any old mac and cheese. This is Cougar Gold mac and cheese. Hmm. Um, I had to drive up miles upon miles through hellish weather and rain and wind. And you'd be proud because I was wearing my Oregon State sweatshirt when I went into the uh, student store there. Yeah, but you didn't have to go all the way to Pullman. You just went to Vancouver. Why do you have to ruin the story? It has more impact if we said I went all the way to Wazoo, which I did go all the way to Wazoo. Just happened to be the one in Vancouver. Yeah. But it's still a drive, and I have to go across that damn bridge. What the hell kind of government do we have that we still have a, a, a interstate with a freaking lift bridge? Pretty much. Unbelievable. Yep. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> all right. So, uh, did you know, I was thinking, Billy, so do you know the story of Confucius? You know, when you get your Chinese food and it always says Confucius say, yeah. 
Okay, so did you know that Confucius was an avid vegetarian? Yeah. And he didn't believe that knives belonged on the tables. So he thought they were kind of barbaric. So that is why the Chinese eat with sticks and they don't have knives. But the kitchen uh, ultimately cuts the, the food down in small enough that you can eat it with sticks. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was thinking that's kind of what you're doing. You're a little Confucius here with the way you handle the tri-tip because all the cutting is done. So all our people have to do is eat with a fork because why would we want to use sticks? Sure. Yeah. So anyway, a little Confucius going on there. I just thought I'd share a little fun fact. There you go. But anyways, we'll be making our Cougar Gold mac and cheese. We'll contain not only Cougar Gold, but also some Tillamook and probably some Oregon State cheese in there too. Hmm. Because there is a creamery at Oregon State now where they make cheese. I heard it's expensive. It's expensive as hell. So there probably won't be a hell of a lot of it. Well, you know how much that cheese cost me for the three cans? Probably 60 bucks. A little over 80 80 holy crap a little over 80 dollars for the three cans what are they are they 25 bucks a can um yeah and then i guess it probably would tax tax yeah that's crazy that's crazy but it'll make some damn good mac and cheese it's it's good you know it's it's a little bit more bitey than tillamook and you blend the two together and it's perfect and i i usually throw in a really good melting cheese like some mozzarella or some gruyere 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 yeah Fancy. It's a hard cheese, but it's it's very good melting cheese. Now, Beach, I got a question for you. What kind of pasta would you like me to use? Hmm. The official Cougar Gold mac and cheese recipe calls for corkscrew pasta. Okay. I like corkscrew pasta. I, I do too, and it really holds the, the cheese. Yeah, let's do that because if you do, uh, I think any other kind of pasta is not going to hold up as well. Yeah. Now, I do know you do not like breadcrumbs on top of your mac and cheese. I can. I do not believe carbs belong on top of carbs. Okay, I can do that. But how about we make half of it with bacon? I do think bacon is an augment meat and it can go with everything. So do you want me to mix it in with the mac and cheese or sprinkle it on top? I kind of like the idea of on top. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. All right, Beach. So that is the main thing on the th- on the menu. Um, we'll kind of have our other usual uh, accoutrements. I'll probably start firing up the steak about 3.30 or 4. Sound good? Okay. That sounds good. Now, the biggest question is, we'll be bringing out some breakfast burritos for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But what about lunch? You know... It sounds kind of stupid, but what about corn dogs? We could do corn dogs, or we could just bring out some dogs. Okay. Just bring Either out. Or. Just bring out some hot dogs. Yeah. Do we have any leftovers from the uh, from the sausage fest? I could bring out sausages if you'd like. Why don't we just bring out some leftovers from the sausage fest? Okay, they've been in my oh, freezer, so we can just yeah, I can just okay. pull them out, and uh, I've got buns. I can get some yeah. buns. Buns are cheap. Okay, we'll just do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cut up some onions for that too, so. We'll have a small hot dog bar. Not a ton of stuff, but a little bit. Okay. And uh, some grated cheese and that kind of stuff And for for earlier. And then we'll just go – we'll do that at like 11. And then we'll do the uh, uh, steak in the evening. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds All perfect. Right. Cool. Really? There you go. See, look at that. We worked on that during the podcast. You get to listen to that magic happen, listeners, <laughs> that, for free. That, that just – happen that's right that's right 
It's am- the the way our minds work is amazing. Okay, Beach, it is now time for the final segment of the evening, the Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Horrors. She's just a girl. Take it away, Beej. Kind of switching up, not so much a cheaters and horrors, where it's just more of let Brian was interested, Beej was interested in something, and he decided to look into it deeper. And so, actually, this came on because of the Seahawks game on Sunday. Did you see that, Billy? I did not. I don't watch much NFL football at this point. Me neither. <laughs> I just my my whole but, Saturday is taken up with football. I've got to have one day on the weekend to get stuff done. I, I was listening to the news this morning and. Uh, uh, on my drive in and they were talking about how the uh, Arizona Seattle game went into overtime and both kickers, both teams, one missed like a 24 yard field goal and the other one missed a 28 yard field goal. And because they both missed the game ended in a tie, which, you know, and if our listeners know that I can't stand the idea of games ending in ties, it just pisses me off. Somebody needs to win. So and what got me was they, they had a little cut from Pete Carroll, and he wrote, well, that was really an amazing football game. I don't think I've ever been in a tie before, and my brain doesn't know where to go on that. And I think uh, I – so you and I were discussing a little bit earlier on, on how NFL does it. So NFL plays another period, and the team that wins the coin toss gets an opportunity to score – if they score a field goal, the other team gets an opportunity to score. If they score a touchdown, the game is over. Correct, Billy? Correct. Okay. So, which doesn't kind of go along with what we're used to in college football. And so I started thinking about the Kansas plan. And I thought, why in the hell do we call it the Kansas plan? Did you ever wonder? Yes. Did you ever look it up? I think I did it one time. Okay. Well, I just decided to look it up. So, so here it goes. In college... Since the 1996 season and in high school football, as well as the Canadian Football League since the 1986 season, an overtime procedure is used to determine the winner. The method is sometimes referred to as a Kansas playoff or the Kansas plan because of its origins for high school football in that state. A brief summary of the rules goes as follows. A coin toss determines which side shall attempt to score first and at which end zone the score shall be attempted. Each team in turn will receive one possession, similar to innings in baseball, starting with first and ten from a fixed point on the opponent's side of the field. In college football, the possession begins at the opponent's 25-yard line. Under standard high school football rules, the possession begins at the 10-yard line. However, the rule book allows state associations to use different yardage. The 15, 20, and 25-yard lines are variously used. In the Canadian Football League, where a single point can be scored on a punt, the possession begins at the 35-yard line. The game clock does not run during the overtime, but the play clock is enforced. A team's possession ends when it scores a touchdown or field goal, misses a field goal, or turns over the ball either on downs or by a defensive otherwise gaining possession. As usual, a touchdown by the offense is followed by a try for one or two points. In NCAA football, starting in triple overtime, teams must attempt a two-point conversion after a touchdown. Since 2010, CFL teams must also attempt a two-point conversion after any touchdown in overtime. In college football, the defense may score a touchdown on a play on which it gains possession by turnover. Such a play will satisfy the condition of each team having a possession and will therefore end the game. 
In high school football, the defense is generally not allowed to score if it gains possession. Although the Oregon School Activities Association adopted the college rule experimentally in 2005, and the University Interscholastic League of Texas, the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools, and the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association use NCAA football rules. If scoring is not allowed or the turnover play does not end with a score, regardless of the eventual possession or position of the ball at the end of play, the team assumes offense and will begin their procedure from the specified position on the field. Each team receives one charge timeout per overtime period, uh, except the CFL, because Canadians are weird. So anyway, <laughs> so there you go. I, I, so it actually, you know, I always wondered, I always thought it kind of came out of college. But it actually started in Kansas high school football, which yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah, because they had the Kansas plan ever since I was a kid in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it always being called the Kansas plan. But what's interesting back then in 1990, now they changed the, the, the rules since then. But in the state of Oregon, the Kansas plan went into effect in a tie game in every game except for the championship game. Really? Yep. Because Tigered tied oh who did they tie tiger th- tiger tied roseburg i think in the final of 1990 was my and they s- just and they just let it die right there they let it die well and the thing is tiger came back from being down miraculously scored and it was do you go for one to tie or two to win and if it was me i would go for two because win the damn thing they went for one, tied it, but you should have seen the sidelines. Tigered won the game. Roseburg lost. It was because crazy. of the because, because of the, the way, it, yeah, yeah, because of the excitement. I mean, Roseburg looked like they lost that game. So yeah, the last time. But after that, they changed the rule. I always thought it was weird that you can have a tiebreaker in every game except the last one. That that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, anyways, all right, Beach, good one. Okay, well. You know, hopefully, you know, I like to think that we try to make our audience uh, a little little wiser for the wear after bearing with us through a whole hour, hour and a half of our podcast. We try to learn you something. Yeah, exactly. I don't want them to feel like they're dumber for the for, <laughs> for their time spent on this thing. That probably goes without saying, Beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 83 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgater at gmail.com at Heinrich Tailgater on Twitter or check out Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Music Store. Also, leave us a rating and review. Remember, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device with the Stitcher Radio app. Beach, Billy. It's going to be a long tailgater on Saturday. It's going to be like a 12-hour tailgater. Hope you're ready to go. You know what? I'm excited. I hope some people join us for breakfast. I hope some people for, join us for lunch. And uh, then I hope a ton of people for dinner because I want the uh, beef council to be like, oh my god, how can we have ignored these people for the last two decades? Exactly. These guys kick ass. Exactly. I want them to to be weeping and like, you know, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. That's what I want to hear. There you go. I want to hear them apologize for treating us like crap. There you go. Yeah. They didn't really treat us like crap. In 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 our minds, then. All right. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Remember, we'll be back next week with show number 84. And until then, let's beat them damn coups. Go Beavs.
Peach. Squeege. Squeege. Squeege, squeege, squeege. Bah. There you go. You there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. I say, gee, many Christmas. Leave it alone, baby. So that's a great, great song. <laughs>